I think I could use up all our time just summarizing what I started last week. So I'll do that really quickly. God is sovereign over all of the universe. Of anything that is, God is the sovereign over it. God created this earth and we heard it in, well, no, maybe that was a sermon I was listening to this morning. Sorry, you didn't hear it. He created the earth. He created mankind. He gave mankind rule, dominion over this planet and then we gave it away. Jesus came and took it back. God has ordained a process by which his son will be king of kings and lord of lords over this whole planet, over all of the people, over all of creation. And the process is he has ordained his church, his body. He's the head, we're the body. The way he's decided to go about it is to empower his body to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven. And a huge part of that process is prayer. He, if you read the scriptures, you'll see where it, where it talks about uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and they're they're literally searching God's heart to know his will, God the Father. All three are God. God the Father's heart to, to clearly understand his will. And then through the Holy Spirit stirring the body to then seek his will from him specifically that he might release it then back through the church into the world. That's cool. That's really cool. He's ordained us to be part of the process that he'll bring about the salvation of this whole earth. He's given us priorities in our lives. Our priorities are to seek and to save that which is lost, to destroy the works of the devil, and to become like our Lord Jesus. Every day now I'm praying this prayer. I've actually added a few more things to it, but, but they all fall under that same umbrella. I've added that, that my, my primary function then would be to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the way Jesus said he was sent. And he said, as the Father sent me, I send you. So we need to see that as our mission, seeking and saving the lost destroying the works of the devil, becoming like Lord Jesus. And and if our life doesn't have time to humble ourselves and pray, to be empowered, to to bring about those things, then the priorities of our life are, are off. Because we have some priority that's outside him. We're we're bought people, we're bond slaves, we're not owners of ourselves anymore. As hard as that is to imagine, that's the truth that we have to, the lens we have to see ourselves through. That we don't own our lives anymore. Just like when Margie was talking about tithing, my thought was, well, how much of this that's mine is God's? Is it 10%? It's not 10%, it's all. Because you can't own anything if you're a slave. You have no possessions. So 100% of everything belongs to God. The tithe is nothing more than a way for us to tell God we recognize that it's all yours. That's all it is. It's our way of memorializing him, that everything is his, that he's sovereign over every part of our lives, and that this 10% that we put back for you is just the way he's asked us to recognize it. That's all. It's not a law anymore. When, when she was quoting out of Malachi, right, she was, that, that scripture spoke to people who were under law. They were legally obligated to give really is more like about 28% if you looked at all the different requirements that they were supposed to give. We're not required by law to give. It's not a function of our salvation to be saved. It's a function of our salvation that we recognize our relationship with God. It's a principle now. It's not a law. It was a principle before it was law. It was a principle that was law and now it's a principle after law. But I'm not on tithing today. 
our priorities have to be his priorities. He, he seems to have two ways that he gets things done through the church. One is declaration and the second is prayer. There's death and life in the power of, of the tongue. He's given us the ability to make declarations unto death and declarations unto life. And we have to be very careful with this powerful thing he's given us to declare because he's given us some delegated authority and we have to use it well. He, he also gets things done through prayer, petition, how, how he would stir us. Holy Spirit, um, Margie has really tried to get me to teach on prayer because she thinks that people are intimidated to come to a prayer meeting that they might be asked to pray and they don't know how in the world they would pray for an hour. That tells me that they have a lack of a relationship with the Lord because when we have the prayer meetings, I could pray for three hours in those meetings out loud in front of everybody. And I'm not trying to brag, but, but I've prayed a lot. I spend a lot of time with the Lord. I, I don't have any problem once I get connected to the Holy Spirit to just hear things and, and to pray them. And if you, if you think that you can't pray, then, then sow into a more intimate relationship with the Lord and, and you will find out that His voice is what's the voice in your head when you're praying, when somebody's face comes into your mind or a thought comes into your head. He's stirring you to intercede on behalf of that. And then the prayer meeting can be very powerful. You don't have to be afraid. There is no exact right way to pray. It's how do you, in the way that God has made you, respond to his unction, and then you release what it is that he's stirring you, and you just pray it. That's how he's chosen to empower the church to bring about his will on this planet, through declaration and through prayer. I talked about why we pray. Uh, one is because we have a relationship with God, we pray. For God so loved the world. He, he actually sacrificed his son that, that mankind could come back into relationship with him. It's an honor to be able to pray and have communion with God. We should do it. We, we, we just pray because we have relationship with him. We pray to bring about the will of the Lord. And we talked about the scriptures where he taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is the heaven. He's given us a commission. We talked about scriptures where the Apostle Paul, in his letters, he would write and pray for me that I might, I might gain the words, the unction to be able to preach as I'm to preach. He, he wanted prayer, which you know he was praying for himself as well, that he might actually excellently fulfill the commission that was given to him by the Lord to bring about the salvation of the Gentiles. We all have a commission from the Lord. We pray so that that commission will be fully recognized in our lives. couple that we didn't get uh, to is we, we pray because we have need, right? The, the Lord's Prayer also says, give us this day our daily bread. Everything that we need from the Lord is encompassed in this, this daily provision. It, it looks back to the Old Testament when Israel's wandering, wandering around in the wilderness and, and God provided for them everyday manna. And, and when they would see the manna, they would, they would not have faith necessarily that the manna was going to come tomorrow, so they would grab up as much manna as they could get just in case God wasn't faithful tomorrow. And what they learned is that if you gathered just enough manna for today, it would be great. But that manna that you collected for tomorrow got nasty before tomorrow and you couldn't use today's manna for tomorrow's meal except for the Sabbath. He, he would provide extra. They could take extra on the, 
the day of preparation because they weren't to even do the work of collecting manna on the Sabbath. But other than that, he wants us to understand that what you need today, he'll provide and you ask for. Give us this day our daily bread is the provision for everything that you require today. Further in the, um, let's see, that would be six, I can't remember. I think that that comes before he says don't worry. But when he says don't worry, at the end of that course of scripture, he says, seek first his, the Father's kingdom and his righteousness and everything you need will be provided unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow today. Tomorrow's worries will take care of themselves. We don't have to be concerned about tomorrow. We be concerned about today. We ask for the manna, the, the things that we need for today, today, and tomorrow we ask again. And we trust that he's faithful every single day. We pray because we have needs. We pray because we can. And we pray because we should. The next thing that I wanted to touch on is to whom do we pray? Matthew 6, 9 says, pray that in this way. It's a, just a quick comment on the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew, we see this, this broad version of the Lord's Prayer. In Luke, we see a little bit narrower version, but a broader conversation about prayer itself. I think this is true. If you read through the New Testament, the disciples, you know, especially you know, the initial disciples, they walked with Jesus for like three and a half years. They saw the miracles, right? They saw the walking on the water. They saw the little bit of bread and fish turn into so much that it fed maybe fifteen or 20,000 people. And there was more left over than what they started with. They saw all this stuff. They saw lepers cleansed, blind eyes opened. What did they ask the Lord to teach them? Teach us how to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach me how to cleanse the leper. They didn't say, teach me how to walk on the water. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And it's interesting. They had a, they had a situation where somebody had a, a, a demon-possessed child. And, and the person had to bring their child to Jesus because the disciples couldn't get the devil out. And Jesus answered kind of the question of, what is it that you need to know to cast out the devils and to walk on the water and to do all the stuff? Prayer and fasting. He said, ah, that kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. In another account, it says by prayer alone. There may be no more important spiritual discipline to bringing about the kingdom than sitting with the king. So who do we pray to? Matthew 6, 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus says when we pray, we direct our prayer to the Father. Right? God is one, but he's three persons. He's God Father, he's God Son, and he's God Holy Spirit. He is one God with three individual persons that are God. I'm not sure exactly how to teach the Trinity in a way that anybody could understand, but somehow God has gotten me to a place where I'm comfortable with the Trinity, even though I'm not so sure that I understand what that picture looks like. And I hope it can be that way for you because I'm not sure that I'm equipped to teach that. The point is, there are three persons that are God. And Jesus says, pray to the Father. So we know when we pray, we pray to the Father. But Jesus also said, in uh, John fourteen fourteen, Jesus speaking, if you ask me, asking him is prayer. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So it seems perfectly appropriate that we would also pr- Why do I want to always replace the R in pray with an L? 
maybe because I want to play with Jesus, I don't know. But it seems perfectly appropriate since Jesus said so that we can pray directly to Jesus. And if we do this in his name, that he'll answer our prayers. Now, in our stream of Christianity, we tend to pray to the Holy Spirit a lot. Holy, we sing a song, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and anoint us that we might worship in spirit and truth. We, we pray a lot to the Holy Spirit, but I don't see any place scripturally where that's actually taught or where somebody actually does it. But I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. He is as God as the Father is. He is as God as the Son is. He is as powerful, as omniscient, as omnipresent, as uh, omnipotent, as either of the other three, two persons of the Godhead are. He is certainly worthy of our praise and able to respond to our prayers. So even though Scripture doesn't specifically teach us that he is to have prayer directed to him, I have to imagine that those prayers wouldn't fall unanswered. But if you ever wonder, if you pray, Jesus, we need your presence, the presence you're going to have is in the person of his spirit. Father, we need your presence because the Holy Spirit is described both as Jesus' spirit and the Father's spirit. Is it biblically accurate to pray to the Holy Spirit? I think it's probably not. Is it practically okay? I think it probably is. Any of the three of the Godhead, I think, are reasonable. I saw a quote that this guy named J.C. Lambert um, made. It goes like this. Thus, Christian prayer, in its full New Testament meaning, is prayer addressed to God as Father, in the name of Christ as Mediator, and through the enabling grace of the indwelling Spirit. I think if you just ever wanted to be certain, you pray to the Father in the name of the Son, trusting the power of the Spirit to bring about God's will through your life. How many of you have ever been frustrated with unanswered prayers? That's pretty good. The rest of you got them all answered. I need you to come and just assist Lily with this knee when we're done. I think everybody wonders whether God hears their prayers, whether or not God's answering their prayers. And, and I've heard so many different reasons why it appears this prayer didn't get answered or that healing didn't come, and, and it's God's timing. And I've really, really wrestled a lot with God's timing because the model is Jesus, and stuff happens right now for Jesus. Right? There's only one instance that I can remember where Jesus prayed, and it didn't happen in an instant, and that was a blind guy, Right? Jesus, I don't remember if he rubbed mud in his eyes or how he did it, but prayed for this guy, and he says, what do you see? And he says, well, I see men, but they look as though trees. And Jesus says, oh, okay, take another swing at that. Praise again. Guy gets his sight crystal clear as day. I trust that there is a certain timing that God has, and I'm, I'm trying very hard to submit myself to his timing, but I don't want submitting to his timing to be an excuse for me to stop praying and say like, oh, well, it just wasn't God's timing. If you haven't had your prayers answered, the Bible gives us some very specific things that we can see that facilitate answered prayer. Let me just probably go through a couple of them and then we'll close for today and pick up again next week. The first one is obedience. Obedience, not obedience in praying so much, although that is definitely true, right? Last week we ended with 
prayers that don't get prayed don't get answered. So there is a certain obedience to prayer, but this is an obedience to the will of God. This is an obedience to walking in the light as he himself is in the light. And 1 John three twenty one and 22 reads this. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So if our heart doesn't condemn us, what's he speaking of? He's speaking of our conscience. If we, have, if we have a pure heart before the Lord, if our conscience is clear before the Lord, then we can have a confidence to go to him and ask him for things that he's going to answer. But if our conscience isn't clear, if we've been walking outside of obedience to the Lord, then we can have a very strong scriptural basis to understand that he, his ears are going to be turned away from our prayers because he responds to righteousness. He responds to a, a person who's walking in obedience to the life and the walk that he's asked us to take. Um, a second key to getting prayer answered is motive. What's the motive of your prayer? You're going to think this is hilarious, but early in my walk with the Lord, I wanted to do so much. And I used to pray, God, if you just give me like a million dollars, I promise I'm going to take people to Israel. Of course, I'm going to go with them because I want to see Israel too. And, and my motive wasn't absolutely pure. I, I felt like it was, you know. I mean, seriously, I'm a grown man praying these prayers. Lord, if you just give me millions of dollars, man, I'm going to give it away. I'm, but, but I'm going to feel pretty good giving away millions of dollars, right? There's probably going to get a few people tell me, oh, you're a good guy. My motives... They were, they were rooted in goodness, but, but the Lord knows that there was a whole lot of selfishness. My motive wasn't pure. It was a little bit pure and a little bit tainted. The Bible says this in James 4. You ask, you pray, you ask, and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. In those prayers, in hindsight, I think my pleasures were the praises of men. For people to tell me I'm wonderful because I had all these millions of dollars and I, and I gave them to people and I took them on trips and I did all this stuff that made them happy. But my real motive wasn't them, it was me. And I wanted God to finance it. So, walking in obedience leads to God hearing. Having right motives leads to God responding. We'll go one more and then we'll pick up the rest next week. The third one is praying in God's will. John uh, 15, 1 John, excuse me, 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So, God is looking for a church to reflect back to him prayers of his will. But if the church is trying to assume his will, which was a lot of what I was doing, right, in that little boy prayer of mine, there's no response. Because God is about getting his business done, and he's ordained this process that I described to you earlier where he would stir his church with his will. His church would respond back to him and ask him for his will. He would respond to their asking and bring about his will. So we have to have a sense for what is God's will. 
Well, his will is clearly to seek and to save that which is lost and to destroy the works of the devil because those are the reasons he sent his son and those are the reasons that his son has sent us. So as a big umbrella thing, if you have someone, a loved one, that's lost and they don't know the Lord and you ask the Lord for that soul, bring about the salvation of that soul, you'd be pretty safe to be in his will. I heard Lisa Taylor preach years and years ago to ask God for love. I thought, wow, seems like God would want me to have love. I would, I would have it anyway. But I started asking and it was unbelievable how my, my, just my whole self changed. Lord, give me love. And then I started to recognize love is like a consumable. Like I'm, a, I'm an inkjet printer and you put a new cartridge in and, and the ink is love and it prints and prints and prints and prints and prints and then, uh-oh, the print's not so good and you can't read the letters so much because you've consumed the ink. And love isn't like this uh, atomic energy. It's a, it's a thing that we're constantly required to draw from heaven, love. Draw from heaven, love. Constantly be filled. That, that might be encompassed in the scripture in Acts where it says they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. That as we be continually filled, we can be that river of living water. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed for love, and God gives you love. Why? Because love is the essence of his will. It's the the essence of who he is. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, again, Jesus speaking, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So that's how we pray, right? I pray for Jeff to be blessed in Jesus' name. Well, there's, there's kind of two ways to look at in my name. In my name, the easy way, in its truth, is that my access, right? Jesus is the mediator of the covenant that we have between ourselves and God. He mediates the covenant. So when we go, we have access to the Father in Jesus Christ, Outside of Jesus, we don't have access to the Father. So when I say, I pray that Jeff be blessed beyond anything you could imagine, Lord, and I prayed in Jesus' name, I'm just reflecting to the Father that I understand that my access to you is through the mediator of my covenant, Jesus Christ. And I'm praying in his name to you because my righteousness is his righteousness. My connection to you is through the Lord Jesus. I am in Christ. I say that's the easy way, but it's only half. The other half is that I am as he is, that I'm living as he lives, that I am about his purpose and his will in my life, that my life is not my own anymore, that I am hidden in Christ Jesus, and that my life is about your business in him. And that's the tougher one because our flesh and the enemy is constantly wanting us to draw our life back the life of pleasure, the life of all the stuff that's outside, the life of, I don't want to read my Bible because I know I I would understand God's will, but, oh, I'm just so tired, I think I just want to watch television. I just want to, I just want to, that's the flesh. That's not in his name. In his name is walking in holiness and righteousness and truth. So if we have a problem sometimes with prayers not being answered, we have to reflect, stand in a mirror and look at ourselves. Am I coming to him truly in his name as he is? And if we find that we're not, then we ask him to help us to repent from the world, from our own selfishness, into the surrender that is Jesus so that he can use us to bring about his will on this earth. The third scripture I'll read to you is uh, also John, chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. Jesus again speaking. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. 
and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. So, so here Jesus is teaching us that, that he picked us so that we would pick him. And then he's appointed us for the purpose of bearing fruit on earth as it is in heaven, to, to manifest the kingdom of God to a fallen and broken world. That's our purpose, to bear fruit. Seek and save which is, that which is lost is bearing fruit. Destroying the works of the devil is bearing fruit. Bringing uh, brokenness, people in the dark into the light is, is fruitfulness. Love is fruitfulness. So, so his purpose for us is to bear fruit. And he says in that same course of scripture that those branches on his vine that don't bear fruit are cut off and thrown into the fire. You, you can take that metaphor and do with it what you want, but I'm not interested in following that path. If I don't see fruitfulness in my life, I'm crying out to God to make me be fruitful. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So there's this beautiful thing that happens when we surrender ourselves to our calling. Holy Spirit and Jesus search out the will of the Father. They look straight into his heart to see exactly what his will is. Now, they're as omniscient as he is, so I don't really totally understand the picture, but the purpose is so that they can enable the church to bring about his will. And then they take what they see and they impress it upon us. And and we would then take what we sense, we can read it in the word, in a macro sense. I don't know if the fan is getting me or making the thunder or not. In a macro sense, we read the word and we understand God's heart and we understand his will because he's given it to us in his word. The scripture is absolutely necessary for us to bring about his will. But then in the specific, he gives us a command. He gives us um, an unction and then we use the word as the test to know what spirit we're listening to, right? When uh, he sent, I don't know who it was, I, I, James and John is who comes to mind, but he sent disciples off to the Samaritan village as they're on their way to Jerusalem, right? And they said, hey, listen, you know, King Jesus is coming. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to spend the night in your town. And they're like, we don't want him in our town. Don't even bring him. He's not welcome here. They come back and give a report, and these guys are like, shall we pray to bring down fire and destroy that town? Jesus' response was, you know not what spirit you're of. There's a voice in your head, but that's not God's voice in your head wanting to destroy this village because of their attitude towards me. So that's what the word of God is for us. There's, a, there's spiritual voices that are forever trying to gain a place in our soul to bring about action. The unction of the Holy Spirit will agree with the word of God so that we know that that's the true spirit, the spirit of truth speaking to us that he might get through us that we can bring about his will. So for us to be effective in this process that the Lord has given us requires that we know his word. We have to know his word. And it requires that we pray so that we can actually be effective in what is our true mission in life, which isn't anything worldly. It's only God's purpose. Now, we got to live in the world, and he's ordained us to be, you know, pulling people out of cars and 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 building houses and doing all the different things that we do, but it's for the purpose of being ambassadors for his kingdom. Amen?
Okay, so last week I asked you to really be committed to praying. If, if, if you've been a little committed, be more committed. If you've been more committed, be more committed. If you've been not committed at all, just be a little bit committed on a consistent daily basis and start to learn to have interaction with God because the priority of our lives has to be his priority first, not fleshly... I'm having no words, maybe because the Lord's not in it, I don't know. We need, we need to put ourselves aside and, and deal with being tired and deal with all the different things and find our place with Him, not with the television or with who knows what. I'm not telling you you should never watch television. I'm not telling you you should never take a vacation. But I am telling you that we have to set our priorities to be the kingdom's priorities, okay? Okay. Sorry, this was supposed to be a one-week sermon, and it's going to be three weeks now. Yeah. You know why it's all right, though? We could have gotten through this today, but, oh, man, when the Holy Spirit is here, who wants to stop that and listen to some guy talk? I mean, I believe in the Word of God, and I believe in preached sermons. I really think they're important because, I'll give you this in one second. I think we yield to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when we feel the shift coming, you know, like Krista or Margie or whoever, there's no more words flowing. The, 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 the unction of the Spirit has kind of lessened. Then we can take that as a cue that it's time for us to go on and teach. The whole purpose of us gathering together is to be introduced to God, to Lord Jesus as Savior, to be born again into his body of believers. And then the, the weekly meeting is, is, is for teaching and edification and corporate worship and, and, and hearing God's voice because we're together. But every revelation of Scripture isn't to be a Sunday meeting kind of thing. It could be, but, it, but it's not. It's, it's the Word of God about prayer because the body isn't praying or not all the body is praying or some people need to be edified into the area of prayer or into the area of generosity or into the area of love and the area of forgiveness. It, it's, it's to help us to maintain this walk with the Lord it's, and it's, it's day after day after day and he hasn't given us to be able to be all by ourselves, an island without any issues that we can't solve. He's given us to be part of a body so that each and every one of us has a need and each and every one of us has an answer for that need and together we go forward and we bring about the kingdom. So this thing when we have a message and this thing when we don't have a message, the message is just really more an encouragement, an edification, hopefully stirred by God's spirit through whoever happens to be bringing the word because that's the edification, the encouragement we need at that season of time. Make sense? It's not that we would all should be theologians we need to know who Jesus is. We need to have sound and right doctrine. But the, the encouragement part is to get us to do stuff so that we'll actually be the living and active body of the Lord. Okay. All that said, Father, I just ask a blessing over each and every one of these people. I ask a blessing to know you. I ask a blessing to come into deeper levels of intimacy. Lord, I ask for each and every one of us, I'm pointing at myself as much as anybody else in this room, Lord, that you would give us the grace of your presence that if we'll make a little step, you'll make a big step, and that we can come and taste and see 
that the Lord is good. It's not that, that we, we know you're good, so we'll come have a taste and see. We take that step of obedience into your presence to come and to wait, to sit with you as you instruct us, as you minister to us, as you teach us, as, as you let us to receive your love, that we might go out and be the hands and the feet and the eyes and the loving and the kind and the prophetic words of God into this world and into each other, that we might be a strong and a healthy, vibrant, powerful kingdom church and we might bring all people to your feet, Lord Jesus. So I ask the blessing of intimacy and completeness and power over these people and me that we might accomplish those things. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. All right, have an awesome week. Don't forget to pray for when Ricky Vargas comes here because we need the impartation.